stirring up our sidewalk strategy. This week, the Nordic Spa finds a home in Fort Edmonton, and the Wem Footbridge finds a home in someone else's credit card statement. Plus, it looks like the affordable housing moratorium in five core neighborhoods will be coming to a close. Hi, I'm Troy. I'm Mac. And we're Speaking Speaking Municipally. Welcome back to Speaking Municipally, episode 42, releasing late this week, and you know, there's lots of blame to be distributed around pecan talks, whatever, but... Things happen. Yeah, we've set up an email address specifically to handle your complaints on this. Any complaints about the lateness of the episode can be sent to don.iveson at edmonton.ca. Valley Line LRT construction moved to 100th Street this week, closing the busy downtown intersection for several weeks, signaling the official end of winter and the beginning of the season of construction. Construction woes will continue to get worse until the vernal construction equinox, which is celebrated by all Edmontonians staying home and saying, why don't I just sell my damn car if Iveson's going to make it so hard to drive? The Edmonton Journal lost another City Hall reporter this week as Paige Parson announced her intention to move to CBC Edmonton on July 2nd. This comes after the past City Hall reporter, Elise Stolte, left the position to become a columnist. While some might blame new opportunities or organizational change, I prefer to blame changing market forces and shrinking demand for City Hall reporting due to a phenomenal new podcast changing the entire landscape of how people learn and engage with municipal politics on a weekly basis. You can subscribe to Speaking Municipally wherever podcasts are sold. Rate five stars. Please like, share, subscribe, and ring that bell. Hashtag Turnout Squad. The goats are back for another season. Edmonton's new weed control strategy, which is best described as, I don't know, let the goats eat it, lol, has come back again with the herd of goats being deployed on Rundle Park. The new Edmonton Journal City Hall reporter, unfamiliar with the city and confused by downtown construction, ended up this week at Rundle Park and managed to file an entire story before they realized that the bleeding goats weren't actually councillors debating the issues. She had to revoke her newest file this afternoon, congratulating City Council on their most productive day this season. Speaking Municipally is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB, and one of our affiliated podcasts is the Well Endowed Podcast by the ECF, and you've heard about them before, you know, Elizabeth Bonkink and Andrew Paul, produced by Lisa Pruden. These are all things that you know, so why haven't you listened to the podcast yet? That's a question that only you can answer. It explores the impact of passionate people who are working to make Edmonton a strong, vibrant city to live in. The Edmonton Community Foundation helps people create endowment funds, and the podcast tells the story of how those endowment funds intersect with the community. It comes out a couple of times per month. That's a couple of times per month that you could be listening instead of ignoring it when this ad comes up. Really, question your life choices listening to this ad and not listening to the podcast. You can find more at thewellendowedpodcast.com. The other thing you could do in addition to listening to that is fill out a survey. Uh, the APN is running a listener survey, as we've told you about before, and you have until June 17th to fill that out. So coming right up. If you do fill out the survey, you'll be entered to win one of three $100 cash prizes. And of course, you'll be helping fellow APN podcasters like us better serve listeners across the province. Cash money in your pocket. Fill out that survey. Let's jump right in. We're a bit late because I was busy last night. We're recording at 4 p.m. on Thursday, and I'm going to be smashing out the edit as soon as possible. Friday. 4 p.m. Hmm. on Friday. Days are very hard. The week just meshes together. On Thursday night, I was at PKN34 doing a talk on don't run for public office. Yeah, it was really great. I went to Patricia for the first time in years. I used to go all the time and tweet about it antagonistically and then finally decided they didn't need that uh so i haven't been in a long time but your talk made me want to come back <laughs> my heart it overflows with 
feels so good. So you kicked off the show. You were the first one, which if you've never been to Pechacucci, you should know they put the ones they think are going to be best first and last. Uh, So that was a good vote of confidence in your talk right from the beginning. And you killed it. I thought you did a great job. I uh, heard from people in the audience that they kept looking at the organizers of Pechacucci night and like saw the organizers looking at each other with gasping expressions like, who did we just put on stage? My talk got a little bit mean at some points in time. Uh, Poor Andrew Knack, who yeah. is also in attendance and has probably been to the most Pechacuchas of anyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they had a competition. You know, people raise your hand how many Pechacucha nights you've been to. Andrew Knack, of course, raises his hand the most time. I dedicated about 45 seconds of my six minute talk to just like actively crapping on Andrew Knack while making eye contact. Um, he came up after the talk to heckle me in the front row and insult me in terms of the podcast and say that you know max usually the right host on the podcast but you know you you put together an interesting talk nothing <laughs> right there but. but you may have inspired him to go out and do his own petra talk about why you should run for office that was one of the things he said afterward yeah so you saw some tweets you wanted to I talk did. about yeah so people were tweeting through the show uh so uh let me just read a few of those to you so Mark- i should mention for the listener who's confused where can i watch this talk eventually it'll be on the pkn youtube i will tweet out a link and we'll mention on the podcast when it's available to watch go for tweets uh miss jody b said omg no more sending fresh meat into the wood chopper in the mingling before the talk like well how do you propose we fix democracy and i'm like "Eh, it's above my pay grade i'm not (laughs) proposing a fix here but what i'm saying is that Throwing more fresh meat into the what we're doing isn't working. Uh, so maybe let's not encourage people to ruin their lives and waste a lot of money. You've discouraged Tamara Weinberg, who tweeted, I won't run for public office after hearing at Troy Pavlik. Mission so, accomplished. Mission accomplished. Um, Anthony Falls said, awesome presentation. Marcel Hukulak said, why you should not run for public office. He rocked it with the uh, <laughs> screenshot of you standing in front of a grinning Mike Nickel. Why don't you talk about that picture for a minute? When I was talking about how much... It costs to run for public office. I thought, how can I show the audience how much they need to raise and how little it matters if they don't raise above eighty or ninety thousand dollars? And I thought, oh, I got a picture of Mike Nickel with a hundred and ten grand in his war chest, just smirking at the idea of you running a bootstrap campaign in Ward Eleven. You, uh, we we talked before the show or before the presentation, and you were worried that maybe some of your jokes would have required people to have too much knowledge. But I think people found them quite educational in addition to funny mm-hmm. and i was very impressed uh, i made some jokes about john d and his mba yeah and good old kaylin uh who did a pedra talk about uh infill and the various good and bad parts of infill she went ahead and tweeted that right at John D in the middle of my presentation. So nice. mm, chef's kiss. <laughs> Two more. Uh, Susan Holdsworth Susan Holdsworth asked, uh, honestly, I'm not sure how this slide fit into the talk, but it is quite hilarious and bizarre. And we'll have to link to this in the show notes so you can actually see it. But it's it's city manager Linda Cochran holding a melon or a cabbage or it's, it's actually a dragon's egg dragon's egg okay, on the Game of Thrones, the Iron Throne. There you go. Um, at one point, my talk. I got up on stage and I just wasn't feeling it. So I improvised some of my talk. This was one of the holdouts because as we've talked about on the podcast, city manager runs this city. City council, they're pretty ineffective at actually holding administration to account. So I I wasn't at one point making the claim, why are you even running for public office when the city manager sits on the game of or the Iron Throne? Um, it didn't 
end up going through. But, you know, the talk was still good. There you go. Last one, Jeffrey Hansen Carlson of Edmonton Project and Gondola fame, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, He tweeted, Troy is going to make millions in the comedy business. He will have a late night show one day. Your, Your reaction? If someone wants to bootstrap a million dollars for me to host a late night show, I mean, I've seen the other Ward 11 person, Mike Nickel, he tried to host an internet web comedy show to the point and boy did that fail so i'm i'm not sure it would go well in everyone's mouth to have another ward 11 er candidate come up and say yeah you know what i'm gonna do i'm gonna bootstrap internet comedy better than running for public office though right absolutely everything is better than running for public office (laughs) all right well good job i thought it was a great presentation we need to move on to real topics today though um and i think the first real topic is right in the title it's our sidewalk strategy yeah, so this came up at council. Uh, the city sidewalk strategy uh, identified 105.3 kilometers of missing sidewalks citywide. To the shock of no one who's ever walked in Edmonton. And that's compared to 5,200 kilometers of, of sidewalks along roadways. So there's a lot of sidewalks that we have, but that's a significant amount that's missing. One of the things that was interesting in the report to me was they mentioned the Paths for People's uh, missing links initiative. And they said that as a result of that, they added 53 locations and another 14 kilometers to the list of missing sidewalks. So that was pretty cool. The The bottom line here is that they think it'll cost uh, $10 million to start to work on some of this. And that's what $10 million put, to start. That's to what work. I said to start. Yeah. No. And that's what they've, uh, that's what they've put forward here. So Councillor Aaron Paquette said, for the literally billions we spend on roadways, we should be allocating some small percentage of that to make sure that people can actually walk, end quote. And I would say 10 million is very small percentage. Very, very small percentage, especially, and Councillor Paquette is really apt there because every driver is a pedestrian, but not every pedestrian is a driver. Yeah. So the idea that we have a road to literally everywhere in Edmonton, but don't have a sidewalk, and also note that it is illegal for pedestrians to walk on a roadway in Edmonton. That is not permitted under our bylaw. So at some point, you've basically said, you people aren't allowed to get to places anymore. And it was Councillor Paquette that brought this up originally, right? To council? Was that uh, right? Yeah. So it's it's been a recurring baseball that's been tossed around for the past decade or so. But Councillor Paquette made the uh, inquiry and really got the ball rolling again to start to address some of these issues. Right. So do you think this is a good thing? Yeah, Absolutely. It's really prescient because right in my neighborhood, there's a great example across 76th Ave and 97th Street. As you cross 76th Ave, there's an overhead pedestrian flasher, which is great. You know, it's getting to be a busier road. You like to be able to cross safely. Yeah. But on the north side of 76th, there's only a sidewalk on the uh, west side of the road, not on the east. The pedestrian flasher? On the east side of the road. So it's (laughs) convenient. We installed this infrastructure to cross to end up nowhere and this is just one of those like baffling choices that who designed this and who did the walkthrough all of our transportation engineers live out in st albert and then drive in and we don't actually have anyone on the ground thinking how does this work for everyone uh this also came up in the core zone conversation a little bit because there's long been demand for basically a vision zero committee we have etsab or the ets transit service advisory board yeah we have you know uh disability advisory boards accessibility Uh, yep yeah other advisory boards that you know these are these are gaps in city council knowledge and areas where you need a group of dedicated citizens to give some second thought and spot flaws 
We don't have any of that for walkability or Vision Zero. And even Elise wrote a column this week about a walking mayor. Yeah, and that's something that other cities have done, right, to try to address some of these. I mean, last week we also talked about a nightmare. Uh, So it seems like you could have a mayor for everything, which is maybe not the right solution to the problem. But anything would be better than what we've got currently, which is nobody paying attention to this, right? Roughly, this is a start. We're going to look. Yeah, I think they said the $10 million would allow them to do 20 kilometers of sidewalks by the end of the budget cycle, which is 2022. Mm -hmm. So that still is only a fifth of the missing sidewalks. And it's over four years. And the missing sidewalks on their priority list that they know about. And meanwhile, we're building it's It is a very, very small step forward. Last thing I wanted to highlight from this, we'll link to the CBC article, but there's a quote from uh, Don Iveson who says, we take our eye off the ball and I admit we took our eye off the ball on sidewalks for a couple of years. It leaks out of the budget and all of a sudden you're back to zero and falling behind, end quote. I thought that was really interesting because he's repeatedly over the years talked about how we had to deal with the infrastructure deficit that was left behind. And to his credit and the credit of council, they have addressed many of the things that um, we're, we're plaguing Edmonton through things like the uh, neighborhood renewal projects. Um, but here's an example of where we haven't actually caught everything and there is still infrastructure gaps and and um, and debt that we need to repay. I'm even going to push back on that a little bit because that's primarily our avenue for addressing, you know, the infrastructure debt is neighborhood renewal. Yeah. Except for majority of neighborhood renewals existence, sidewalks weren't a part of it. Uh, so right now when you do neighborhood renewal, you do have to get new yeah. sidewalks in front of your house and you have to pay for them. It's a specific tax levy on the homeowners. For the first uh, couple decades of neighborhood renewal, you didn't have to get sidewalks. It was put to the residents on each block as a vote of, do you want sidewalks? If so, you're going to pay more. So this idea that sidewalks are just like this new gap that, oh, it's fallen through. I don't really buy it. I think sidewalks have been a concerted second class citizen and have been shuttered in our infrastructure budget just because cars don't drive on them. Yeah, no, that's probably true. Uh, It's bizarre to me that we would actually build a road without a sidewalk. Well, uh, lots of things in this city are bizarre to us. Another thing that was bizarre to me this week, uh, right around the sidewalks, is part of this 10 million sidewalk revitalization strategy, you know, addressing missing links, is the missing links over 170th Street to West Edmonton Mall. Right. That pedestrian bridge that just got torn down by the mall. So we talked about this before on the podcast. It has uh, been brought up and it was going going to go to SDAB. It didn't go there because the city and WEM had worked out some sort of an arrangement, but we didn't know really what it was. Now we know the city's paying for it. Well, so what do we actually know? Um, and this is, this is a conversation that I had with Andrew Knack at Pechacucha last night. And I basically said, look... Andrew, here's what I'm going to say on the podcast tomorrow. What I can see right here is WEM had a responsibility to have a bridge. Yep. They gave a big big middle finger to the city and said, we're not building the bridge. And the city, after floundering for several months, decided, okay, we're going to pay for the bridge and let WEM completely off the hook. And it has to be done apparently before LRT construction Mm -hmm. begins. So that is the extent of the public knowledge of this situation. And that is what I'm comfortable reporting, that the city completely bent over and we are now paying for WEM's bridge because WEM bullied us into it. Now, if I were to be charitable to a counselor who has worked very hard on this file, I might say that behind the scenes there is a non-final agreement 
that essentially works out to a land swap and construction swap. And maybe when the Valley Line West LRT station is built at WEM, WEM might construct an entire tunnel directly to the building so you don't have to go outside to get into the mall from the train and walk through Did a parking lot. Did you hear lot. that, Southgate? Kingsway? <laughs> <laughs> so perhaps that is in the work and is just not finalized. Right. However, that's not public information. So at this point, the city is just paying for WEM's, I, I, I want to call it arrogance. At the end of the day... Negligence? Yeah, whatever we're working out, whatever gets worked out here... Wem still tore down a bridge that they had an obligation to maintain right. and refused to build it. So that's that's a big black mark on Wem in my eyes. And it sets a bad precedent potentially. It does because like this this wasn't just an ambiguous responsibility. It was part of the land use bylaw that allows Wem to exist was this bridge is right. your responsibility. It sets a very dangerous precedent if we are no longer holding developers to the rules we set. Speaking of rules that we set, uh, we set a rule about uh, social or supportive or affordable or subsidized. Any of these words could be applied to the housing we have in five core Edmonton neighborhoods that have statistically borne the brunt of our homeless reduction strategy. Right. And we ended a moratorium on those new projects. Well, we're about to. So a, a temporary moratorium was put in place in 2012, actually. It's been a long temporary moratorium uh, for non-market housing is what they call it in Alberta Avenue, Central McDougal, Eastwood, Macaulay, and Queen Mary Park, which, as you say, have borne the brunt of this. And the, the moratorium was put in place because there was concerns from citizens and council needed to take a look at a broader citywide strategy they have since done that. We'll have to find the previous episode that we talked about it on, but they approved a citywide policy around affordable housing. And so now they're basically saying that we no longer need this moratorium to make sure that we're distributing affordable housing throughout the city because we have this new policy and approach that's going to help us do that. And if we keep this moratorium in place, it's actually really inconsistent with the policies that council has now set. I'm not sure I'm like super qualified to speak on. I don't live downtown and I also don't live in supportive housing. So how much surface area I have with this problem, eh, it's limited. At the end of the day, if we didn't want to allow supportive housing to exceed a certain percentage in any given neighborhood, we should pass a policy. And we did. Exactly. Uh, And we have policy development and we should just follow policies. I think it is absolutely important that we don't have regulation that is directly contravening our existing policies. Yeah. Sure, there's going to be the other argument on the other side of like, you know, these, rightly so, these neighborhoods have borne the majority of this set of services, but we're supposed to fix that by a policy. Um, this, This was not the right tool to end that. Yeah, and the debate about whether or not we should concentrate housing like this to make it more efficient to deliver services or whether we should spread it out. Spoiler alert, we shouldn't concentrate. I mean, that debate's over, right? That's why we have a policy now to have an equivalent amount of affordable housing throughout the city in all neighborhoods. So, you know, that's that's done. And I agree with you. If we have a policy, then we shouldn't have these old existing things in place. Like, it's been better, actually. I go through the, the agendas every week, and when there's new bylaws to pass new policies, um, there's been an increasing number of rep- appeals of previous things that are no longer relevant. So that's a good positive change. Um, on this item, one thing I wanted to highlight was Don Iveson's quote here um, in the uh, in the article in the Edmonton Journal. He said it's private owners in quotes, badly run slums that are the epicenter of crime and disorder in the city. 
So I'm comfortable with getting sued by Carmen Pervez to say that he's a problem landlord in Edmonton. And honestly, if you talk to residents of these neighborhoods, you're going to get some who are very NIMBY-ish. But for the most part, it's not the supportive housing. It's not the subsidized housing. That's the problem. It is these problem landlords not doing their due diligence and making sure that they have good community minded tenants. That's the problem in these neighborhoods. And that's the problem properties are what we need to deal with. Yeah, I agree. It's just much easier when you're complaining about something to point at the outsiders. Right? Yeah. In this case, the supportive housing. And these poor people can't exist here because we we identify them as a problem. That's not really a right headed approach. So uh, the last thing on that, I guess, is committee made the recommendation that they should lift the moratorium. It'll go to council next week to be formally approved. And I expect it absolutely will be. Yep. Uh, Speaking of things that I expect will absolutely be approved without a hitch, we heard a plan for a Nordic spa right outside Fort Edmonton Park. Yeah, I mean, to David Staples' much uh, surprise and enjoyment and delight, I'm sure, we've been spoiled with Nordic Spa announcements over the last number of weeks. Um, The Edmonton Nordic Spa, which is run by the same folks as the Kananaskis Spa, announced they were going to build one somewhere in the center of Edmonton, but they didn't reveal the location because it was coming up at council. And this week we learned it's Fort Edmonton Park. Gotta say, I was real frustrated because I knew this last week, but I couldn't talk about it because I was told it in confidence. Well, good on you for keeping your sources. uh... I have to say this. Now that we know all the details about this Nordic spa, let's just do it. Like, I I see it is a win, 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 win. Maybe we'll get into this. Maybe you have a different opinion. But I think this is an unquestionable home run in all fronts. And there's no negatives to this plan whatsoever. Um, I can't tell if you're being facetious or... I'm being 100% earnest here. This is a a problem that I have sometimes. No, I am 100% earnest that I see zero flaws whatsoever with this plan. And it is the pristine, perfect plan. Um, I didn't think that last week. If you asked me about this last week, I'm like, I would have brought up a lot of problems about river valley development Mm. and is this really in line with our fort edmonton park strategy all all a bunch of stuff that came up this week that people were just wrong about because this is a very good plan well that's interesting what what changed your mind well so why don't you walk us through what what is what is the plan looking like? yeah sure so the the plan here is that there's some underutilized land near um fort edmonton park so not within the actual park but sort of adjacent to it within the river valley i think it's currently an overflow parking lot lot, yeah. yeah um and that's the site of where they want to build this nordic spa so they see it as a complementary thing to fort edmonton park the Fort Edmonton Park folks think that it would be a positive thing because it would bring more people down there. And they think that getting more people is the only way they're going to reduce the cost of entrance to Fort Edmonton Park. Um, so that's where they described it as a win, 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 or, or whatever, however many wins there were in the, in the quote. Infinite number of wins. Yeah. Um, and so that's the proposal. And the first step is because it's, you know, city land, they've got to get some approval to do something with it. What would happen here is that um, they would sublease the land essentially. And so executive committee agreed with this approach essentially um, to sublease the land next to Fort Edmonton Park for this Nordic spa after they refine their proposal a little bit and give us a bit more detail. Yeah, I should note with the strong caveat, uh, Ben Henderson was very explicit about this. What city council approved was a conditional lease. Yeah, it's like go draft it and let us look at it. It, We are committed to working with you if your plan is kosher on all these points. We need to make sure your plan is kosher on all these points. So you summed up in a nutshell. You said nothing negative about the plan there. That's because there's very little to find that negative is negative about this plan. Let me add a couple more wins. There is one negative thing. We'll come well, back to that. Uh, well, we'll come back to it and prove you wrong about that. Another win is Fort Edmonton Mark has a huge 
commercial kitchen, yeah. that is at 10% utilization. Right. So we can, without any additional infrastructure, have a fully running bistro for this spa. That's another efficient utilization of resources. Uh, Nordic spas, typically a winter attraction. Fort Edmonton Park, typically not very busy in the winter. This is, again, a complementary use. There's not going to be this huge problem. Because right now, you know, sometimes in the free admission days at Fort Edmonton Park, parking lot fills up. Yeah. Whether people should be busing there, well, that's an urban planning question. That oh, you know, taking the train to the Fort Edmonton Park station <laughs> that is nowhere near Fort Edmonton Park anyway. <laughs> yes, uh, they could take the gondola down to Fort Edmonton Park. <laughs> but so it, it's efficient utilization of parking resources as well, because these lots are going to sit empty in winter and let's get a Nordic spa. The orientation, there's the buildings and some trees and stuff blocking the Nordic spa from the actual park. So, you know, it's. It's still a separate use, but it's adjacent, so you can get spillover effects without disturbing the peace. It is a win on all fronts. Why isn't it a win, Mac? Well, no, I agree that it's a win, but I I, uh, I think the negative that I've heard people raise is the same thing that always comes up when we talk about development in the River Valley, which is that this is our pristine River Valley, and we shouldn't allow private entities to come in and start commercializing it. Now, I'm not in favor of that, at least within the sort of core part of the city. You know, we have a huge River Valley and the River Valley Alliance. They talked at Pecha Kucha last night and the stuff they're doing with the trails is, you know, it's all good. Whatever. Let's not develop out in the edges. But right in the city, I see no issue with it. And in this case in particular, it's a, it's parking, a parking lot. lot. Yeah, exactly. So uh, I'm all for this. I think it would be good. I hope that Fort Edmonton Park gets a good deal out of this. And I, I'll, I am a little... I question the idea that the Nordic Spa ha- being there alone is going to solve the problems of attendance for Fort Edmonton Park. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's that simple. Well, but Fort Edmonton Park is also undergoing massive renovations right now. So I think that's going to be a huge component in revitalizing this. Yeah. Um, I would also say that Fort Edmonton Park is definitely a case where if you have a Nordic Spa that is primarily an adult attraction. Yeah. If you go for a long day walking around with the kids relaxing in a spa for that's a selling point yeah um, absolutely that's true yeah no i think it'll be a good thing the final point that i add right there is i heard a lot of complaints which come from a good place where it's, it's basically like if the city is you know giving a sweetheart land deal to this for the same basic reason that we complain about the mayfair you know yeah. it's we don't want to be giving sweetheart land deals to this business especially we know another nordic spa wants to open up at edmonton so why should one get specific benefit? Because this is very pristine land. Like this Nordic spa, if the other one is just like in an industrial area somewhere, yeah. this one will do better. For sure. Um, To my result, I kind of say just like, eh, we don't have a Nordic spa. Yeah, there's, there's, there's advantage to being the first and providing something that's brand new to Edmontonians that Edmontonians want and will support that. That's all I have to say on that. Uh, it, it's a win and we're going to do it. Well, it'll come back again because we'll see the details of the proposed lease and their, you know, more detailed plan for the spa itself. Absolutely. So we don't have a ton of time left, but I think there's a couple tweets we want to address from our good old friend of the podcast, John D. Yeah. So uh, Janet French, she's been filling in for, uh, I guess, City Hall reporters at Post Media. Well, Paige is still City Hall reporter until July 2nd. But she's been on vacation. So Janet was there doing some tweeting. She tweeted that Zadok moves to recommend to council to reduce the amount spent on public art to 0.5% above the first $100 million for Lewis Farms construction. And unsurprisingly, that motion failed Mm -hmm. because only John D. hates public art. (laughs) (laughs) Here's Here's the thing, okay? 
sure, we'll, we'll we'll accept the premise that John D hates public art, or at least that's what I take from his motion. What I have seen is that John D hates rational policymaking. That's that's what I'm getting out of him this week because the one percent for public art specifically exists because broadly we agree that public art is a good thing, right? And we also understand that broadly budgeting for public art is a very hard problem because allocating $600,000 for a talus dome, it's a hard sell if you don't have a policy that's sort of binding your hands here. So the 1% is an easy solution. We're going to give 1% of our capital construction budgets to a public art piece in that area. We don't have to debate how much. We don't have to debate how how little. We've just got it, and we're going to build our art webinar. And it worked for a long time. When you, in a specific project, say, oh, you know what? Let's reduce that for this specific project. You have undermined the entire foundational point of this policy, and the policy becomes valueless. Perhaps that's intention. I tend to think that he just doesn't get that piece. Yeah, I mean, this came up at council because of the budget for the Lewis Farms project, right? And it was big, and administration recognizes there's quite a bit of variance from the original approved budget. They put forward some options on how to reduce the cost of, of that. And so I guess this was his attempt to try to be creative and come up with a way to lower the cost of the project overall. Uh, but as you say, it really flies in the face of why we have this policy in the first place. Speaking of not being able to acknowledge existing policy and laws, uh, John D. also tweeted this week, uh, there was a debate from the Edmonton Youth Council brought forward about, you know, having liquor consumption in public parks. Yeah. Which we don't have a lot of time to get into other than to say, yeah, Europe does it, let's do it. Uh, John D. was not in favor of that. Uh, and he was saying, committee was just debating responsible alcohol consumptions in picnic site. I'm in favor of exploring this. Perhaps for ages 21 plus with food present. Does he think we're in the US? <laughs> and that's, that was what was brought up in reply tweets. Someone asked, why wouldn't this align with the legal drinking age? Right. To which John D. said, oh, I'm in favor of a more measured approach and alleviating these concerns by upping the minimum age in parks. So not only is he not saying we should up the minimum drinking age, he's saying in parks, the minimum drinking age should be higher exclusively in Edmonton. John D. is a libertarian counselor, and this is a baffling, like, overreach and overstep and overregulation. I do not understand. And that was the end of the tweet there. He was yeah. no longer defended his position. <laughs> I, I don't get it. Um, hey, if you want to call in John D., I'm sure you listen to this podcast. Let us know your thoughts. Yeah, what is the difference between an 18-year-old and a 21-year-old when it comes to drinking, first and foremost? And how would you propose enforcing something like this yeah it's bizarre it, it is it is bizarre because especially you're not like what, what charge would it be because you're you're not consuming under the legal drinking age it would have to be a bylaw charge and it would have to be just like we can't throw them in prison it's just like <laughs> you get a fine I yeah guess? you get a fine and add it to your party planning bill it's just like Sorry, we're 19 legally drinking, but in a park. Right. Maybe maybe the key is you run outside of the park, just like go near the borders of the park. And then if a police officer comes, you quickly jump out onto the sidewalk <laughs> so that you don't get caught being underage in a park. That could work. Um, That's all we've got really time for this episode, except to talk briefly about 
our good old podcast network, the APN. Yeah, they had their get-together for Edmonton, and I think Calgary also recently. So they host these events every now and then for podcasters who are members of the network to come together. Uh, we both went, uh, I was there for a little while at least, uh, to the one here in Edmonton. You met my daughter. Mm-hmm. Who's em- named Emily. Who's named Emily, and you met another Emily. Yeah, so we've had a few of these podcast get-togethers, and another Emily from the podcast Emily Missed Out. Uh, you can check that out at albertapodcastnetwork.com and find all sorts of podcasts. We've introduced ourselves to each other around three times, <laughs> each at different varying events and each thinking we didn't know that other person because each time we had gotten a haircut just before so we didn't recognize the other person and of course that happened again that night where emily had just gotten a haircut and i said oh hey i'm troy nice to meet you and she said yeah we've done this before twice you had a haircut last time and laughs were had that is Alberta Podcast Network in a nutshell. You guys, Laughs were had. You guys both need Google Glass or something. Wasn't that the <laughs> promise? It could solve this problem. Yeah. Um, I don't know that any technology solution can solve all the problems that <laughs> I have. <laughs> but as always, uh, check out albertapodcastnetwork.com. Check out all those other podcasts. Emily missed out. Emily can teach you all about pop culture references that you might have missed out on too. But that's all we have time for this week. I got nothing. That's the end of the podcast. I'm Troy. I'm Mac. And we're Speaking Speaking Municipally. Municipally.